David and I have always had the theory that we are not here to sell you something. We want to teach you something. From day one, if we don't sell anything, that's fine. If you learn a skill and can take that home with you, that is more important to us than us selling you a product. If you're someone who refuses to go along to get along, if you question whether the status quo is good enough for you and your family, you want to leave this world better off than you found it, and you consider independence a sacred thing, you may be a prepper, a gardener, a homesteader, a survivalist, a farmer, a rancher, an environmentalist, or a rugged outdoorsman. This show is for those who choose the road less traveled, the road to self-reliance, for those living a daring adventure, life off the grid. Welcome to the Off The Grid Biz Podcast. I'm Brian Pombo. What you're about to hear is part two in a two-part interview series that we're doing with David and Beth Pruitt, owners of amp-3.net and host of the YouTube channel USNERDoc. The first conversation went deeply into the life story and background and what drew them both into the arena of emergency preparedness and true emergency preparedness, not just the prepper stuff that you see on TV, but really preparing for specific emergency situations. It's very interesting. If you did not get a chance to listen to it, make sure and go back and listen to that part one first. You could get that over at offthegridbiz.com. This is part two. In this one, we focus much more into the details of their business and what makes it work, what they'd rather be doing better in their business, and we go into some of that, although we mainly focus on the areas that they're wanting to improve in. But David and Beth's frankness and openness about where they're at and where they want to be was really refreshing great to listen to and I hope it will help you to develop where you want to take your business to. Now let me set the scene. This is a second interview that took place months after the first interview. This time we did the interview from inside of their new camper trailer that they call Liberty. You get to hear a little bit of the back and forth of them referring back to Liberty. They're talking about where we're sitting right there. So Have a listen, enjoy, and I'll be back on the other end to discuss some of what I got out of the conversation. When you first started putting kits together, what were you thinking was going to happen? What actually happened? The first thought was that we would build 10, and that would be good for a year. Literally (laughs) thought that. And that was because we had put a video out on how to make kits, including a downloadable PDF. And at that point, I wasn't even thinking about making that a document that we could start a business and download um, a document, collect an email, start developing an uh, email list. So it was free on YouTube. Download the PDF, build your own IFAC. Done. Now start thinking about another video. And it's still on there. It's still on your YouTube channel. It's still channel. on my YouTube channel. Yeah. But we get so many quests like, where do I buy that kit? Instead of, oh, I'm going to go build my kit. Thanks for putting that out. How do I buy that kit? And Long story short, Beth said, you know, we should make um, some kits and put them online and see what happens. So we made 10, and it was a huge struggle to build 10. Oh, we it had took to, us weeks. Weeks. We weeks. had to get all the little pieces, yeah. and it was fairly expensive to do, and we built 10 kits. Remember, the back then you were shrink, you were shrink-wrapping everything, like... Because we didn't have lots I was vacuum-packing everything. Vacuum-packing. Yeah. So everything was vacuum-packed, so we did all of that made little red tear seals. Um, They're very labor intensive. And I thought, okay, we made 10 of these. And and, they're gonna last a year. And that last a year, we'll we'll do something else. And the website, we made a little funky website and literally sold them that day, gone. Well, sold in an hour. But we were out and about, I don't know how long, a short period of time. But the website, we didn't know, kept selling kits (laughs) that didn't have, just kept selling them. So we turned the website off and took a breath and said, um, you know, okay, what do we do here? So we built more kits, satisfied yeah. all of yeah. that. Yeah. 
and then made a decision, do we want to start a business? Then you thought, well, we should build 25 and see how it goes, because we weren't mm. really ready to start the business yet. We were like, well, that was just kind yeah, of Yeah, I said, oh, that's all my YouTube buddies, buddies yeah. buying kits. <laughs> yeah. But as fast as we can build these kits, we, we sell, them. sell them. Yeah, and it was uh, at that point that we thought we would start a website, and we really had one kit. That was that was it. And then David's like, well, we should probably add like a blood stopper to it because David was in the military and you did you use those in the yeah. in the Navy? Then we had two kits. So we had the blood stopper and we had the IFAC. And then we added, I think, the EDC, the everyday carry. And we had three Somewhere kits for a while. And we went to gun shows. That was the big thing mm -hmm. is to set up a little table at uh, gun shows my first show that i did was cpac uh, was cpac so ham radio and i had a little table and i had little white tubs i had little white tubs that i got from the hospital they were basically throwaway tubs that all the flushes for iv and the techs would just like save piles of these and then they would discard them so i looked at those and thought oh i could use those for organizing bins so my table at CPAC was a little foldable. I think it was a four foot table. Four foot table, yeah. but like you get at Costco. Yeah. Whatever the company yeah. is. Yeah. I didn't even have a drape on it, just the table. And I had- White tubs. I had a whole bunch of these little white tubs with a little postcard taped to it. And this is this, this, and this. And it was very rudimentary, but, but it was you, successful. But you sold out. It was sold out. <laughs> and then I started doing gun shows with my first partner who were not in, in business anymore. It just didn't work out. And Beth and I have been business partners ever since that time. We travel all over doing gun shows, mm -hmm. Nevada, Tulsa. Tulsa. And people would travel to come and see us and it was just kind of like interesting because David's USNER doc. So people would come from Texas and kind of all over, especially to Tulsa. Which is a very humbling thing to have yeah. people travel and come um, and visit and mm -hmm. uh, take a look at our products was, I think, uh, rewarding and very humbling. And we have great, great friends because of going to the gun shows. And, you know, when we go to Reno, we have friends there. When we go to Tulsa, we have friends there. And um, then we started doing preparedness shows. David started teaching suture classes. So he teaches a wound care management suture class. And, and classes have been like kits. So we started off with one. Yeah class and um, one of the shows asked us if we do any classes and a friend of ours that we kind of do shows with said oh you, here's the thing you need to do you have to do classes. you need to do a class and and it helps your sales at the show and we watched her she sells uh, Texas ready but sells seed banks and she would do a class and the entire class would get up and follow her in mass like to little ducks right over to her booth and we always go out to dinner with her and she said, now you guys need to come up with a class. So driving home, we kind of talked about what can we do? And we thought, oh, because I've taught suture classes in the military, I said, why don't we just do a suture class? I didn't think about how complex that would be individually, not with the support of the military. Sure enough, a show asked us, do you do classes? And we said, sure, we'll do a suture class. Well, they called us because another company Oh, was, backed out. was scheduled to do <laughs> classes. And Vinny said, I'm in a panic and a pinch, and I need to see if you can come and teach the suture class. And we, we were kind of already on our way to the show because it was in uh, Missouri. And so I told David, I said, you're going to have to teach the suture class. And so I got on. So I'm literally typing the class as we're driving to Missouri. And I'm ordering supplies to ship to the hotel. Yeah to get to Missouri. And then I asked Vinny, I said, here's the list that I need you to get. And he did. He went and got everything else we needed. And we taught 40 farmers. Farmers. They came in wearing their, literally, overalls, overalls muddy boots, dirty boots. You shake their hand and it's like, yep. oh, you work for it's like yep. <laughs> leather. Like leather. And we also taught and their Amish. Wives. And their wives. And the Amish. Yeah. And that was really, really cool. That was kind of our first introduction to the preparedness industry and teaching classes. Mm -hmm. In those days, we taught suture classes with frozen pig's feet. And we taught that way for, I would say, two years. Only a couple shows. 
Really? Yeah. I thought it was more than no, that. Maybe we did my memory's like two not good. Shows with the pig's feet. It was always hard to get the pig's feet in the right in sort of thaw. That they're thawed enough that you can suture on, uh, but not so frozen you can't. And not so unthawed that they're kind of yucky. Um, and then all the stuff had to be collected and sterilized because, you know, it's just not clean after doing that. Then everybody had to wear gloves. And that's how we taught classes in the military was on pig's feet. Or sometimes we would get a hide and lay the whole hide out on, on a table and people would come around. And, and that was a big old smelly thing that you'd roll up and discard. Wow. So we finally graduated to artificial skin and then we started giving the kits away that included the artificial skin so people go home and, and mm -hmm. practice so mm -hmm. it was an evolution so one class led to another just like one kit led to another and I think now we have six or eight classes, classes. that we can so do. I think I understand this but just for the people listening can you explain why as somebody that's already going to one of these shows what's the advantage of putting on a class oh my uh, gosh Okay, there's a couple things. We get to showcase our products to a customer. And David and I have always had the theory that we are not here to sell you something. We want to teach you something. From day one, if we don't sell anything, that's fine. If you learn a skill and can take that home with you, that is more important to us than us selling you a product. If someone wants to buy something from us, they'll buy something. It was a way for us to showcase things, but it was a venue to share and teach. Like one of the classes we do is sort of a MacGyver approach to wound care out in the field. And like people will buy, like for instance, a SAM splint at REI or Sportsman or wherever. Most people have never taken it out of the package and used it. So how do you use it? And then what are the MacGyver things you can do to sort of make it even more useful. We do demo on tourniquets and uh, trauma dressings. You know, I always ask, how many people have one of these? And I hold it up and all the guys raise their hand, oh, I got one of those. Then I say, how many have actually used one? And then all the hands would go down, except maybe one or none. And so I said, you know, it's not helpful to have one if you've not used it, because if you actually need to use this, that means something bad happened. And now you're doing something that requires a little bit of forethought and some hands-on, and you've never done it. So we would bring people up from the audience and take out a tourniquet, take out a Israeli trauma dressing, and put it on, and then have them put it on me or have them put it on somebody else. And then they walk away going, oh. I know how to do that. Now I know how to use that. Because a lot of right. those guys would have it in their range bag, but right. they've never taken never. one out to use it. I say, don't buy one for me. Here's how you can go to Walmart with a couple of buddies and buy maxi pads, ace wrap, how to put together your own trauma dressing for, I don't know, it was like five bucks. You can do that. So that, you know, kind of was a fun class to teach people how to do that stuff. Well, and then... We started getting into ham radio. David was on the on the disaster committee at the hospital, and they were offering a ham radio class. And you took the class. Which I've, I forgot. Are you a ham radio operator? No, I'm not. Oh, you got to. Yeah. Um, I think every guy that's somewhere in the attic in your bucket list, right? I want to be a ham radio operator. Yeah. And I'd always wanted to do that, and just never had done it. And one of my techs, who's the lead ham radio operator in our system. Um, would call me and I'm always my schedule's weird and I'd always be working she called um, on a weekend and said hey we're doing another ham radio class if you're free you you know come and attend and it was free the hospital was putting these classes on to get ham radio operators so if we had a disaster we've got this sort of sideline communication mm. group that can keep the hospital communications up and running and sure enough I didn't have anything going that weekend and I went and took the class and literally changed my life, I think, ham radio. Oh, yeah. Because you really, yeah, I mean, you've talked to the space station 33 times. and wow. But the people, just... the people that you meet, it just opens up yeah. this whole room in the world, if you will. And if you've got a radio in your vehicle, if you're traveling, you're like a microphone away from getting help or mm -hmm. whatever. So... And then Matt and I went and got our ham radio licenses. It just kind of made sense that we should be talking and teaching ham radio, but also selling ham radios. And so we started a whole communication line, and that 
promoted us being contacted by the Prepper Project. So the Prepper Project happened a few years ago. They were looking for experts in the field. In various fields. Yeah, 20 different categories or something. And David was the medical. Yeah, so that was the first time we ever did anything like that. So they wanted video an area of expertise. And so I made a little home video in our kitchen on trauma dressing and a tourniquet or something. And it was very well received. Some people just went on for like 40 minutes with like a PowerPoint slide droning on the same tone of voice like this and a slide going on. Yours was the number one It wasn't because of me, but mine was the only like dynamic Video, video. Thing. You know, people have an attention span of like a, a nap. Yep. You know, and so if you're listening to monotone with slides going like this, I remember in the Navy when they did that, people would nod off and oh, you have to yeah. stand up and go in the back of the room. So I made a like a real video and it was well received. And that ended up being a little door for us to do videos on medical stuff and then also radio because we would do a radio class at prepper shows. They said, can you do a ham radio class? Well, if you're a ham radio operator, you know you can't do like a one-hour class and it's not useful for ham radio. It's a very complex subject, at least to get into. So I said, I'm happy to do class introduction to ham radio, but also communication for preparedness. What's the menu of things that you can look at? So we talk about scanners, shortwave radios, FRS, GMRS, and ham radio. And I brought all that equipment and we lay it out on two tables and people could play with it and see it. Some places we even um, got on the air with a repeater and let people talk to somebody locally so they had their first like ham radio experience mm-hmm. without a license, which I think was pretty That was helpful. huge. Yeah. Yeah. And that turned into a video. Yeah. A DVD. So you did preparedness communications. Yeah. And then you also did your suturing So class. we did a suture class video, a DVD, and we also did a DVD on our outfitter, which is like our biggest kit, which basically has components of all of our kits plus more. They came in videotape for like three days, mm-hmm. but we MacGyvered yeah. stuff. So we'd say, here's how this works. And then here's what you can do with it above and beyond. So that was all through the Prepper Project and also the Survival Summit. Those two. Yeah. AMP3 has taken a kind of a life of its own. Which it never was meant to do. <laughs> I mean, literally, a YouTube video has made a company... And if I could go back, I would change so many things like AMP3 is like the worst business name you could come up. If you want to start a business and you say, I don't want to be very successful with it, then pick AMP3 because people have no idea what it means. But it's easy. It was it was a playlist. It was a name from a playlist, the Austere Medical and Practical Preparedness Project. So I just started putting these videos in this playlist. And when we started the company, I thought, oh, we'll just call it the Austria Medical Practical Preparedness Project, which is too long of a name. So it got shortened to the acronym AMP-3, and nobody has any idea. I don't know how many times we've explained What that. is AMP-3? What does yeah. it really mean? But, I mean, we're not going to change the name now. It's too late, too late. We're kind of stuck with it. Um, and a lot of business things that we yeah. learned the hard people way. know, they know AMP-3, so... I can't tell you. We have really, really I think really because of it, we've customers. become a niche. I mean, we have we have a very loyal customer base. customer base, and because of those customers, that base is growing. But we are a slow growing thing, yep. and mainly because we're like a little niche. You can go buy a first aid kit anywhere, or you could buy one of ours. And you know, there's differences. If you go to REI or Sportsman and buy a first aid kit, nothing against them, but the quality is not there. And that's how I started making these kits because I would buy one. As a doctor, I would add things to that kit to make it like, okay, this is a real first aid (laughs) kit. That's how we started doing this. So if you look at the paper inserts and some of those store-bought kits are just paper. And what is it doing outside right now as we're doing this podcast? (laughs) It's raining. And if you're going to be using one of these kits out and about, I assume worst case scenario that you're going to be in inclement weather. So our kits are designed for inclement weather. All the labels are laser printed on right in the rain waterproof paper. They're packed in waterproof lock sack bags. We try and give the best quality individual items 
and whenever possible we always try to purchase things that are made in the USA. That's kind of our big thing. You could buy a first aid kit pretty much anywhere, Amazon, whatever, but the majority of them, other than I think maybe one other company, they're made in China. We really do have an American-made product. And we, Although some things are hard to get that aren't made yeah, in China. Yeah, I mean, like bandages. Gauze pads, you, you can't find them. You know, yeah. bandages, that kind of stuff. But our quick clot is made here. The sweat tourniquet's made here. Um, the Israeli trauma dressing is made, actually, in Israel. in Israel. Yeah, so we buy direct from the manufacturer in Israel. But we also support, like, several other small companies like ours. Lock sacks, those are made in the USA, and Linda Kennedy has been a godsend to our company. From day one. From day one. Like, we could not afford them initially. No. So when we made kits, we, we would we buy five, five at a time. lock sack bags. That was... All we could do for that two weeks is buy the five lock sack bags. Because we have cash funded our company, so we mm. have zero debt. Our customers have funded the company. Well, yeah. exactly. The but, profit goes but, right back. Yeah, the, the profit just goes right back into our company, and we really strive to try and make a U.S.-made product. Even when so far as we design and manufacture our own bags, and we've had people say, you could do that cheaper, send that bag overseas, and honestly, we could. We could take our designs, which are now fairly mature and, and pretty solid, they're not, they don't need any changes, and we could have them contract sewn overseas for like much less. And the overall cost of all of our kits could certainly be better if we were to do that, but we have resisted that because number one, we're a customer for another business that does contract sewing, and we like that direct contact with them and control over the quality. We like the quality and we like the fact that it's made in the U.S. of A. And that's been like a, that's something been a we huge won't thing bend for on. us. Yeah, we started our company with Made in the USA. We want to keep our company Made in the USA. And the quality is different. We have a line of ham radio bags that are manufactured for us here in the USA. They're all of David's design. So all of our bags were designed by David and they're manufactured here for us. And we can't keep them in stock, but occasionally we'll get an email from someone who says, that is a ridiculous price. Initially, I would say, you know, if I didn't know because of what we do, I'd say, that is kind of a ridiculous price. But actually making these bags and knowing what goes into them and the details that are done that we have specified with the sewer, they're very complex bags. It's not an outrageous mm. price, but you have to kind of know that, to know that. And our bags are unique, like our tactical transceiver bag. There's nothing else like it out there, and that's for the Yesu uh, 817 or something comparable to that radio. But it has lots of compartments. David really thought that out. It has backpack straps on it, so it's portable and ready to go wherever you go. Even our little radio buddy, that was designed and that's manufactured. So we have a line of ham radio bags, we have medical bags. medical bags, ham radios. So the product line went from an IFAC to kind of what we are today. And I don't know, I think we're pretty proud of where it's, it's come. Been, it's been fun and we've enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah, we really do. We love to travel and uh, traveling all over the USA. We've been to North Carolina. We went out there for a show. We went to Tennessee for a show. Georgia or Alabama, one of those. Georgia. Yeah, we went to Georgia. Texas. But we've met so many great people, and we like teaching. We like sharing. And we've given away so much. I think that's the fun thing to do in business, too, is if you've been blessed, is to recognize when it's right to share that blessing. And there's many times that Beth will walk over to someone and... Put something you know, in their bag. Like yeah. the little Amish kids, remember? They yeah. they were just so cute. This Amish family that we met in Springfield, Missouri, they had seven children. and Super uh, well-behaved. Super well-behaved. And Buddy took, the dad took David's suture class, and the mom was constantly with the seven kids the whole time, so I gave them all right in the rain books with their own pencils, and they were, like, so excited. So they did that for was, three days at that show. Oh, my gosh, three full those, days. Every books. single yeah. day they were at the show, and they had their book, and they'd come over, and they go, look what I wrote down today, and, you know, I'm taking notes from this class. And that's the neat thing about the preparedness shows is there's so many great classes 
Um, unfortunately, we never get to go to them. <laughs> <laughs> so that so that, that goes back to your question. So what do people gain and why would they want to do that if they're going to a show? I don't know. I guess I look at it as something that you walk away from that show that you got. We don't charge for our classes except for the suture, class. suture class because of the materials, which are expensive. But they only pay for the materials. They don't pay for my time teaching. So in our mind, it's something that you walk away from that event that you can put in your pocket that's free, that's valuable, is how we look at that. Well, knowledge is like, is everything. And if you're knowledgeable about, you know, or you gain skills or you, you know, look at products. uh, Unfortunately, some of the classes at preparedness shows, the people are really just trying to sell you their product. And that happens, I think, more than not, which is unfortunate. But then there's a group of people who are really good friends of ours who are really there to teach a skill or like Lucinda from Texas Ready Seed Bank, she wants you to grow your own food. She's gonna teach you how to do that. Whether you buy her seed banks or her books or whatever. And some of the shows are awesome. You talked about how you have a lot of ongoing customers and and ones that you know personally and so forth and they come back again and again and they refer other people. So you get, when you're talking about new customers, for people that find you for the first time, they'll find you through a friend recommending them, they'll find one of your YouTube videos, they'll stumble across your website via Google or something, Mm -hmm. they'll see a class or see you set up at a show. Mm -hmm. Where else are you getting new customers? Are those the main places? Those are the main places. Um, Once in a while I will advertise on like Instagram mm-hmm. um, and Facebook. And Facebook. I don't do and, that that often. And what do you advertise on there? What are you saying? Mainly preparedness. Like, have you downloaded our list of 100 essentials? Perfect. Yeah, you know, check out our resource page. Yeah. Usually it's not to sell a product. Mm-hmm. It's really to give information. Like, California is a great example right now with, you know, them turning off the power. We had a friend, a good friend of ours from California call. They were in Nevada, but it was right the very first time when California PG&E was turning off power because of the wind loads, and they were trying to, you know, obviously prevent fires and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But they were saying power is going to be turned off. We're anticipating turning it off on this date. Potentially could be off for a week. I remember Patrice called Beth and in you a could, panic. You know, Patrice was like, oh, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? And, and we've perfect. talked to them about preparedness before, but now suddenly when you have a reason to, it's impacting your life, now it's like, oh, now I've got to do something. Patrice has my list of 100 essentials. And I said, Patrice, you have the list. What have you done? And she said, I really haven't done anything. I'm going to go to Costco and buy some flats of water. And I said, instead of that, Patrice, go to like a farm and ranch store. You're in Nevada. Go to a farm and ranch store and buy some blue five-gallon jugs that you can fill with water once you get home. Luckily, they have a well. Um, And Rod, her husband, is very knowledgeable. And he already had the generators going. And And you can buy generators in their area to save your soul, they were sold out. Sold out. So she actually was buying five generators and taking them back home to give to her tenants that rent from her so that they would have a way to power like their refrigerators and that kind of stuff. But you have to think about this stuff ahead of time (laughs) and not be panicking like Miss Patrice. Try and think ahead like this could happen. And in California, you have to really be prepared 100% of the time for earthquake, for PG&E shutting down the right. power, for a fire, for And if you whatever. have that five-gallon container of water, how long will that keep you or your family going? Mm. So then it's always fun to ask people how much water, minimum water do you need per person per day? And most people don't know the answer to that. One, so, one gallon will last a whole week. <laughs> so it's a gallon per person per day. So you've got five gallons, that's enough for you for five days, not even a week, or a family of five, that's enough for one day. And that's not doing dishes or hygiene. And so you just think, okay, now I've got to multiply that out. How much do I need for a family of three for seven days if PG&E turns my power off, just the water? And then a generator, well, what's a safe way to run a generator? What can I run on that generator? So Mm -hmm. you buy a generator, Maybe it's one of these Honda 2,000-watt generators, 
That doesn't mean your entire house can run on 2,000 watts. Like here, Beth turned on the microwave <laughs> and the generator is powering our trailer right now, but it's also running power out to our barn and she exceeded the power without thinking about the power of 2,000 watts. What are we doing with it? So, sure that... And then how long can you run it? How long does it, a tank of gas? How much run? gas do you have? So... We run into that a lot with radios. So people will buy radios or they'll say, oh, I've got four of those on my, on my shelf. And they're in the box sitting on the <laughs> shelf. And I can tell you, uh, I feel pretty comfortable with radios, but if you don't use them for a long period of time, and then you get a little bug and say, oh, I'm going to get on the air and talk on a uh, repeater, or I want to try and talk to one of the satellites <laughs> and practice. You look at that radio and say, oh my, where's the menu for this? How do I do the repeater offset? Where is the tone? And then I always ask people, do you think you're just going to pull it off and now just Talk. Hey, Brian, where are you? I mean, <laughs> so if you're going to talk to someone, one, they've got to know that you're going to be on the air at X period of time. You need to know how far away are they? Is the radio going to make that leap? There are so many things. Preparedness is, it can be very expensive depending upon... If you want it to be. If, yeah, if you want it to be. Or it can be very affordable depending upon what you need to get on your list. The trauma dressing thing is, is an example of that. I tell people, if it's expensive, don't buy our tourniquet, don't buy the Israeli trauma dressing. Get a couple of buddies, go to Walmart, buy a bulk package of maxi pads, buy a bulk package of four inch ACE wraps, get nitro gloves and put pair of gloves, um, ACE wrap and a maxi pad in a Ziploc bag. And at least you've got that tool. At least you have something. And now you know how to use it. We're going to take a quick break from this conversation. You know, when people ask me what I do, I tell them I'm a business growth strategist. And they say, well, what the heck is that? It's all about standing out against your competition, standing out within your industry, standing out in front of your most ideal clients so that there is no competition. There is no comparison. There's nobody else out there that can do what you do in the way that you do it, whether that be products, services, or otherwise. One of the toughest places to stand out is when you're discussing the concept of competition. So whether your customers see it as competition or whether it's only you that sees it as competition, if there is competition out there, it's going to be standing in your way. And there's no competitive force out there that I see as common, as ubiquitous as Amazon.com. Amazon.com has become the devil to most e-commerce based businesses for sure. And it's certainly putting the squeeze on offline businesses also. So that's why I set out to write the book, Nine Ways to Amazon Proof Your Business, How to Stand Out in Your Industry and Make All Competition Completely Irrelevant. Now, whether Amazon.com is your competition or not, or whether you're teamed up directly with Amazon.com, this book will help you to look past anyone as your competition. Nine Ways to Amazon Proof Your Business. Now, this book is not out as of this recording, but if you want to find out when it's available and how you can get your very own free copy, I want you to go to brianjpombo.com slash Amazon book. If you leave me your information, I will let you know as soon as that's available. And not only that, but anything else that we end up offering having to do with this book. For example, how you can get a hard copy of this book. How you can get the audio version of this book. How you can take part in workshops related with the concepts within this book. That's nine ways to Amazon proof your business. Go to brianjpombo.com slash Amazon book. And now back to the conversation. Everybody should have a first aid kit. Everybody should have the EDC. Talk to Brian about your EDC that you carry every single day. Oh, my uh, web belt, my flashlight and knife. I mean, every, every, every day. And if I don't have it because I'm flying, I feel... You can't take a knife on the plane. I feel, yeah. like, I feel uncomfortable. I look at it in layers, and it starts with what do you have with you every day that you can count on? 
maybe it's on your keychain, maybe it's in your pocket, but every day you pick up your wallet and whatever, um, some people even include a firearm in that. And all these tools you want to be proficient with. And then the next layer out to me is, you know, your backpack or my work bag, my briefcase. I've got another layer of things in there. Then my next layer is my vehicle. And the next layer is what do I have at home? And so wherever you are, you know, okay, I've got what I've got on me. And then close at hand, I've got my backpack or my carry bag for work. And you I've have got your go my, bag with you I've, all the time. My go bag in my all in my vehicle. I've got other things in my vehicle. And so these things kind of build and give you a robust sort of preparedness. And it might be just maybe your preparedness deal as you're driving back to Grants Pass and something happens. Well, I've thought about this. So I've got these things mm-hmm. with me. One day I was driving to Sisters in a winter snowstorm. I mean, it was like coming down. I come around a bend, and there's some guy, uh, Ford Explorer, spun off the road, nose into the snowbank, off into the ditch, and um, he is wearing uh, sneakers, shorts, and a t-shirt, and he's right on a bend. Yeah. And the first thing I did is I asked him, "Are you okay?" And then I reached in on my side panel of my truck and I grabbed a handful of flares. And I set a flare pattern. He was like, whoa, where did you get those? And I said, you know, you're on a bend. This winter is driving conditions. Winter driving conditions. And there could be a semi-tractor coming around that bend, not knowing that you're here because there's no warning. Yeah. And you're like dangerously close to the edge of the road and could get hurt. And now at least there's a flare on the other side of this bend and a couple more so that someone coming around that bend says, oh, there could be something happening around Mm. that bend. Mm -hmm. He had no toe strap, so I had a toe strap. I pulled him out, and he had no winter gear. And I thought, you know, what if... um..." What if 22 gets shut down? And And there was one time Mm -hmm. where there were two avalanches, and there were people caught in in the center, and they were there for I forgot how many days. I remember that. Yeah, it was like two or three days. I've got water, I've got food, I've got a little alcohol, um, toilet paper, Heater. That's mm-hmm. kind of cool. You I should mean, talk you could, to Brian about that. You could that. die mm-hmm. yeah. in your vehicle and you could die yeah. only because you weren't prepared. Well, and a full tank of gas. I mean, we always fill up when we have half a tank. We That's kind of our rule of thumb is to, we have half a tank of gas and that's preparedness. Just thinking ahead and not waiting till you are on fumes and then the gas, especially in California where you have no power. Um, you need to make sure that you have a full tank of gas. Talk to Brian about your little uh, kerosene heater that you built. Oh, on my YouTube channel, but it's basically a quart paint can that you just get from Home Depot, a roll of toilet paper, cheapest that you can get. You put your finger in and twist and pull the core out, fold it kind of in thirds, and just stuff it in the can and then fill it until it can't take any more of rubbing alcohol. Put the lid on. I always tape a um, paint can opener and a lighter with duct tape on that um, with an extra bottle of alcohol. I've had one in my truck for, I don't know how long ago I did that video. I mean, it's still, because it's in a paint can, it's Mm -hmm. airtight. Um, It works totally fine. Oh, fabulous. It's like a little heater. I've had people comment on YouTube, oh, that's like dangerous and you're going to set your car on fire. Well, if you've actually used one, it's just this little teeny... Blue alcohol flame. It's not some raging bonfire inside your vehicle. It makes minimal byproducts. So it does make some CO and Mm -hmm. and some carbon dioxide, but it's minimal. It makes water vapor. You crack a window a little bit, you'll be totally fine, but you'll have a heat source and Mm -hmm. you burn it for maybe 30, 40 minutes and then, you know, put it away and then light it again. But that could save your life. And it actually is on the Minnesota Department of Transportation website as a recommended vehicle safety device for people because you could die. You could die. Yeah, that's fabulous. Just in the short period of time we've been talking, you've discussed all these different things that you have available on your website. So I got to ask a question that we ask everybody. What's the top selling product on your website? 
IFAC for sure. Because mm -hmm. that's your original that's signature our, product, that's our sig right? Signature kit. The IFAC, we sell it either the IFAC by itself or IFAC and Molly. Mm -hmm. And that is probably our number one seller. Our number two seller is our outfitter. It has, I think, 382 different items in it. We call it a clinic and a roll. Clinic and a roll. It rolls mm -hmm. up, it's a, less than eight pounds. It's um, perfect for the camp, it's perfect for your car. That's a great one. But also our range medic. If you own a firearm, you need to have a really good first aid kit. And the range medic has in it a chest seal for gunshot wounds. It's got your blood stopper with your quick clot, your um, Israeli trauma dressing, your SWAT tourniquet, and our IFAC and a great set of field towels. So that's a great one. Our ham radio bags. I mean, all of the bags that we hit sell are very popular. I have a hard time keeping them in stock. Great. Yeah. In the whole emergency prep industry and your business as an entity, yeah. what do you like best about it all? The people are amazing. They're like sponges. They want to learn more, 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 more. And I think that that's with it, with the preparedness shows and even at the gun shows, you know, they're going to, they want demonstrations. They want to know how to use the, the items. Um, but I think that that just builds that relationship. And I think David and I are about relationships. Whether it's a relationship with another vendor, which we have a lot of friends that are vendors, um, but relationships with customers and customers that come back, customers that want to come and see us at a show, you know, they'll call ahead of time. Hey, you're coming to town. Can we do dinner? Absolutely. You know, so that kind of stuff. And um, just it's we're just like one big family and mm -hmm. just kind of ties us all together. And that's the fun part. And, and traveling. David and yeah, I really like, like to travel, travel. And, you know, we shoot videos along the way and. Very cool. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about what you like best. If you could change one thing about either your business or the industry as a whole, what would that be? Besides the name of our company? Yeah, besides the name. <laughs> I really wish, really wish that there were more preparedness shows. People aren't worried right now, so there's right. not a lot of preparedness shows. I think you looked on that website that we use to decide if we're going to a show. Yeah, there's a, a website called Prepper Shows USA. And currently they have three shows listed. A couple three of years, years ago, ago mm -hmm. 25 shows listed. Yeah. It's unfortunate that people are not thinking preparedness all the time. Not that we want to sell products. We want people to be informed, prepared, and the shows just help. It's a venue. But it helps with getting more businesses and vendors together to Stuff. share that information. And if I were to change something in the industry, would be the term prepper. Yeah. And zombie apocalypse. But yeah. um, <laughs> Beth and I were preppers before I even knew, or either one of us knew the term prepper. Although I think it's a great term and it, it certainly is descriptive. It has a connotation attached to it that actually does the industry a disservice mm -hmm. and that's gone so far as even on television you know the shows that make uh, people that are and they're and they're like in every uh pursuit in the world there are like reasonable common sense people and then there's kooks and so they highlight those kind of people so the whole idea of being prepared and self-reliant ends up being attached to this term prepper mm. which has a bad connotation and Consequently, I think less people are prepared because they don't think about it and they think, oh, that's a tin hat sort of thing. And, um, you know, oh, that guy down the street does does that where, you know, if you were to go back in time during the development of our country, this would be a total ridiculous conversation that we're having. And your podcast would not be of any interest because people are like, this is part of our normal it's common sense. Common right. sense yep. that I need to be prepared. Yep. Well, it's kind of like the Amish. The classes that the Amish were interested in were were skills, skills. Right. not like not gardening. Yeah, not product, not gardening. They, I mean, they know how to garden. They know how to you know, grow. They food. wanted other skills that augmented what they already exactly. Did. I remember I talked to this guy. Beth told you about the the family. The the husband, his name was Buddy. And we were talking and I said, what will you guys do if there is a uh, social economic collapse? 
And he said, we probably won't know. <laughs> That's a good point. And I remember looking at him and I said, wow. <laughs> not only would he not know, they, it wouldn't affect them. Yep. And I thought, okay, that is the gold standard to be prepared, mm-hmm. that I, it won't affect me. Mm-hmm. You know? I used to put videos for woodworking on YouTube, and I never thought anything other than it's just a place to host videos for my blog. And I remember I got an email from someone who wanted to meet me, and I thought, people on YouTube are kooky. I'm not going to meet a YouTuber. And I thought about it, and he emailed like a number of times, and I said, okay. And then I, I met this guy, and he's like super nice. Like a normal, normal person. <laughs> common sense person. And he's, I've watched all those videos. I wanted to ask you this. And we talked for a long time. And I realized that this is a whole nother group of people that are, are kind of fun to interact with. And so YouTube has been like ham radio for me. It's been a playground. But because of YouTube, we have a, two businesses now. Mm-hmm. We have two businesses. Yeah. We get to do what we love. And we have our ranch. And... That's going to be really fun to really do some fun stuff next mm-hmm. year. We got a lot of plans with that, and it's all, life's good. Life's really good. That's awesome. Yeah. If you could change the word prepper to something else, do you have an idea of what that would be? Oh, that's I a like good question. I like practical preparedness. Practical preparedness. Yeah. I want everyone to be prepared. It's and it is like, kind of a practical thing. Yeah, and it just makes sense to... If you have a list, knock off a couple things each month or every paycheck on that list and and just work towards being practically prepared and have your kids prepared. One thing that I kind of, I remember when our kids were little, they were at a small little public school. They had the kids bring in at the beginning of the school year preparedness items that they then kept in 55 gallon garbage cans so that if there was an earthquake or an emergency, then the kids had Each something kid had from a home. Big Ziploc they had a big bag. Ziploc wow. Yeah, with, with, with a snack. No other school that we've been with has never, never heard no, of that. No, with a snack in there. It had a juice box in there. It had like a, a note from mom and dad. A note from mom and dad and one of their favorite toys. And at the end of the year, they got it back. And I thought, why aren't they doing that? Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. So if the three of us were sitting down, 12 months from now, uh-huh. and we were looking back after, over the last year, what would have had to have happened with your business mm. and everything else for you to feel happy in your progress? That's a great question. That's a great question That's because great I, question. I think we feel like we're at a plateau with our business and we need to make the next step Yeah. to make it um, more successful. So we need to increase sales. We need to increase sales. We need to... um, Market exposure. Yeah, we probably need to do more marketing. I'm not necessarily... Having your products on Amazon is a... I don't know. I don't know if that's right for us. I think it would help us, but when we've talked to... We've had a couple of people that do that contact us. We would have to make an ordinate amount of product to have available to be in the... Um, Amazon warehouses, at least as we understand it. Mm-hmm. And we are a cash-based Small business. Company. So we could do that. We could take a loan out, I guess, and build those kits. Building the kits is not the issue. It's just where do we get the financial resources to do that? So that, yeah. that I think, has been the fulcrum or the slow part for us is that we have intentionally not taken loans out and we've been grassroots funding cash funding our business and that has definitely made us slow that's why we're still mom and pop shop mm-hmm. <laughs> but some people like that so if you call amp three you talk to me on the phone you end up talking to like the real meal deal there's not press, push this button press for this one or for this department mm-hmm. that press you end two. up talking with beth and frequently i'm at work the question brian is what you know i mean we would love to see more sales and make that happen probably through advertising we do some we talked about writing a book i think the podcast help i mean i want to do a podcast time is also we're at the ranch we have a lot of stuff going on like everybody does it's a matter of making a priority and growing the business but it's a good question if we just zeroed in and if you don't have an answer to this it's fine but if we zeroed into the sales Mm -hmm. 
area, how much more sales would you have to do for you to feel happy with your progress within a year? Oh, 20% maybe. I'm not not happy with how we're doing. Of course. Um, But, you know, a business is always wanting to grow and expand. And I would love to hire. That's kind of my big goal is I want to make enough money to where I can hire employees and have more people working. It's all about, you know, the economy Mm -hmm. and keeping. I mean, I think that's probably the next thing for us is to have more money have, to hire. have enough business that we could support hiring someone yeah what would that be 20 percent more I or what how much i think quadruple quadruple you'd have to quadruple sales to mm-hmm. for you to get to that next level yeah. I, think. I think okay so. functionally yeah. if we got to the point where we said we can hire someone but more importantly if we hire someone we want them to be a part of our business and we want to support them mm-hmm. um so not just a little blip that we go, oh, we need help, but that we can hire someone who's gonna be a part of our business and we can support them. Beth and I have not taken a check from AMP3 at all. Mm -hmm. Now, AMP3 is successful enough that it's buying a vehicle. Um, So I know that we've, you know, I always, I'm a bit of an armchair aviator, so I, I have the analogy of we're wheels up and we're just off the deck and we're slowly gaining <laughs> elevation and we're and we're getting safe away from the ground but i'd like to be up at cruising altitude yeah. and yeah. to me that would be like you know what beth we can hire someone and support someone i think we have a great product line you know we're an online business so we don't have a brick and mortar so mm-hmm. that's kind of don't it, have to deal with a lot of the overhead that other companies we don't have to deal have with to deal that with, yeah. Um, but also then we don't have a brick and mortar where people are coming in and going, oh, what's AMP3? Or, yep. you know, I saw I saw your ad or, mm-hmm. you know. That's a double-edged sword. It's kind of a double-edged sword sure. there. And so we don't have that. But, yeah, I mean, would we like to see a lot more sales? We would love to see a lot more sales. So let's say you were able to quadruple your sales, mm-hmm. just for sake of argument. Let's say yeah. that was where you were going. What are the obstacles standing in the way of getting there? So you mentioned time. What, what so else? I think so. I think a number of things. Uh, recognition. Explain that. What? what how do you so having people recognize who we are and oh, I need that. Recognition. More exposure on the internet. I, I think more and more. At least my perception is more and more business is done in cyberspace and not. Oh, I'm going to go drive somewhere. People are very like we talked about. Attention spans are short. They're very gratification now, immediate, etc. And so someone wants to type something in. I think they used to say on the first page of a search. Now I think you want to be in the top three or four on that little window because people aren't going to scroll down and look at the four that are underneath Mm -hmm. that are still on that first Mm -hmm. page. So more, oh, I'm going to click on that and then have people look at our stuff and say, I need that. So part of it is better marketing on our behalf, better presentation. On, we're always working on that, but marketing mm-hmm. and presentation mm-hmm. and exposure so that people can see the marketing and presentation. Mm-hmm. We know that we've got a good product because we have, at least our measure of that is we have repeat customers. Now, I may be able to fool you once and you'll buy one of my kits and you'll say, oh, why did I do that? But Beth and I are successful when you come back spontaneously on your own and buy more kits from us. So we know that we have a good product and that we're successful because Beth could give you, I don't even know how many names of people that have bought from us, not once or twice, but four, five, six, eight times. We have a couple of customers that bought on a monthly basis the same thing and Beth said, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, I am getting my family prepared. Each month I'm buying the same list mm-hmm. and I'm sending it to them in different parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I may be able to sell a kit to you one time, but when you come back month after month after month and are buying a list of items from mm-hmm. us and sending them to family members, then you know that, you're, that you have value. Yeah, I think. And also then they refer their friends, you know, so it's 
Um, not only are they purchasing, then their friends are purchasing multiple times, and, but we get a lot of new customers. And so then I need to know like, okay, um, Brian, you placed an order, you know, thank you so much for your order. How did you hear of our company? And usually they, I never heard back from them. It's like, just, you know. So that's via email? Yeah, via email. Yeah. Whether it's YouTube or Such is a huge supporter of us. He's got a huge YouTube channel. He has sent a lot of people. Richie from Boston has a huge YouTube channel. He's sent a lot of people. Uh, Wrangler Star has a huge, you know, he sent a lot of people. So, yeah, we're blessed with these guys on YouTube. There are channels that eclipse ours um, mm -hmm. that are generous enough to mention us. And I know a couple of those personally, and I know that they don't make those recommendations without actually believing in a product. It's not like saying, oh, I've got this huge audience. Let me mention you, even though I think your product is not worth anything. Or right. um, They don't really get anything from us, per se. And I get emails all the time. Send me your product and I'll do a review. And I'm just like, no. We've we done that, though, a couple we, of times. We have done that. And did nothing. Uh, yeah. But if you want to purchase our product and do a review, I would love that. And I would support you with that. But probably sending you something else. But it's the ones who just want it for free and then it doesn't really go anywhere. And we've done that. But then there's people like Such who has purchased and done just awesome reviews of our products. And uh, also Cody from Wrangler Star. He's been a, a great customer and just a great friend. He and Jessica. We've also given those folks things yeah. when something bad has happened to them, like Such had a break-in in his house and Beth and I just he had packaged up a bunch of stuff and, and, and sent it to him and said, you know, this is just uh, a, from us place. to you. Yeah. Um, and so sorry that happened to you. That's on the friendship level of things. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm a firm believer if, if you are honest with people and take care of people that at least the way I look at the world, then good things happen to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think that that's probably something that we're lacking is, how did you hear of us? You know, and I think that that's something that we need to really work on in this yeah. next year, whether it's a survey I think if you look something. at the grand scheme of things and you wanted to be objective with us and say, here's the realistic view for you guys for AMP3, if you look at everything, we probably have the narrowest little beam of light that is out there and it's by happenstance that someone stumbles upon it and looks at the light and says, oh, I'm interested in that. So how do we get people to see us to then make a decision? Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's, that's great. I think that's the next. What, we're kind what, of business people by mistake. I yeah, mean, what, we what just works, happen to do what, this. What works for us. Yeah. You know? I think word of mouth probably is our number one reason that, that our business has done as well as it has. And we really have been blessed by great people mm -hmm. and great shows and you know. but we have a lot to learn you know like seo i neither one i mean that's like <laughs> <laughs> that's like this black box that i look at and say is there a tag that i'm not doing <laughs> you know same thing on youtube like my channel is again wheels up but it's and then you think is there like is there some hashtag i should be yeah uh, you know, I have no idea how all that works. Mm -hmm. and, and some people know. Yeah. And I'm just yeah. not one of those. Yeah, exactly. In wrapping up the discussion a little bit here, what do you have as blanket business advice for the people listening that are either own a business or looking to start a business in a similar industry? I think you need to do what your passion says. I mean, if you want to start a first aid kit company and you are passionate about first aid kits, do it. You know, or whatever the passion is. Yeah, whatever it is. It, don't be hindered. You know, don't say, oh gosh, I can't do it. Because, I mean, if we can do it. And then something then we we've do not done it. is get some business experience or training or seek out some. We just don't know who to, who to talk to or who to say, hey, look at this. What do you think we should do? Mm -hmm. Because you could ask me about first aid kits and, or Beth and we could talk to you and we've talked your ear off a number of times so it's something we're passionate about we just don't know business i think that's the one thing that we're lacking is the expertise to make us more successful i think we can be successful oh yeah we just don't have the expertise 
And you have to go seek it, I think. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's great. That's really good. So really love having you guys on the program. What could listeners do who'd be interested in finding out more about AMP3 and everything else that you provide? Oh my gosh. Our website is www.amp-3.net. You can follow us on Instagram. You can also subscribe to David's YouTube channel at USNERdoc. And you could talk to the real deal and call Beth. (laughs) Give me a call. If you have any questions, give me a call. Our number is 503-318-5672. We hope to see you again sometime down the road. And and that number is not to sell something, but if you have a preparedness question and you want some insight, I'm happy to talk, but Beth is usually the one that's on that phone if I'm at work. Call and ask because preparedness is a passion for us just like our kits are, and we would love to share or help and not sell something. I think one thing that if you have questions, yeah, really don't hesitate to call. Check out our resource page. There's some information there and we're going to be hopefully putting up some new resources on our resource page soon. We really appreciate Brian coming out and loving having him on the ranch. So thanks, Brian. We really appreciate it. Hey, thank you, David and Beth Pruitt from AMP3. Thanks so much for being on the Off the Grid Biz podcast. Yeah. What a great conversation. I've re-listened to this audio a few times, and each time I get something different going back over it. So I'm just going to point out the handful of things I noticed. First, I want you to look at the journey that they went through and how any one of these areas you can take right now and use in your business. David originally started with a blog and was using YouTube just to host his videos. As he went along, he started getting attention via YouTube from these videos he was posting. That ended up leading to building a product. The product ended up leading to them selling it via an e-commerce based website. That website then ended up taking them and the products to trade shows. The trade shows led to speaking opportunities. The speaking opportunities were videotaped and they sold DVDs, which they can then resell on their website and at the trade shows. And it's leading them to more things beyond that. They're now looking into books and podcasting and everything. It's amazing. Any one of these areas you can pick up and use And all they did was jump from one to the next to the next. They went from a physical product-based company to now going very much in the direction of more and more information. Information Information-based products are great because they could be delivered digitally now and people enjoy getting it because they can view it or listen to it anywhere. And that plays into David and Beth's love of teaching and the fact that that led them to doing the YouTubes, it led them to doing the speaking, and it's going to lead them to doing the next iterations of their business. There's a couple other areas that I think make them not unique, but definitely in the minority of most business owners. And these are two areas that I think anybody can use more of, especially if you compare David and Beth to most people out there in business. The first thing is David and Beth know where they're going next. They have an idea of what they want to do next. You can hear them talking it out and coming up with where they want to go in the next year. And that's very important to be able to do first and adjust it if you need to, but at least having a concept of where you're going next. The other thing that they displayed is they know their shortcomings. They know what they're lacking. They know what they need to get better at or to have someone else come in and help them with. So as a business owner, you need to know your weaknesses. It's more important to know your weaknesses than your strengths. Your strengths are relatively simple. They're easy to find out. People are always telling you how great you are at your strengths. That's the easy part. The tough part is finding out that you either don't have a natural ability in or have a skill set in. And you don't necessarily have the time to go out and learn every single skill set out there. So this is when you start building out your team and start putting in the right people. It's based on your weaknesses, not on your strengths. 
I could go on and on. So much great information here. So many great examples that can be used, transposed into other businesses, regardless of what industry you're in. I hope you found this helpful. I look forward to seeing what David and Beth are going to do in the next year and in the years ahead. Join us again on the next Off the Grid Biz Podcast, brought to you by the team at brianjpombo.com, helping successful but overworked entrepreneurs transform their companies into dream assets. That's B-R-I-A-N-J-P-O-M-B-O.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Off the Grid Biz Podcast, go to offthegridbiz.com slash contact. Those who appear on this show do not necessarily endorse my beliefs, suggestions, or advice, or any of the services provided by our sponsor. Our theme music is Cold Sun by Dell. Our executive producer and head researcher is Sean E. Douglas. I'm Brian Pombo, and until next time, I wish you peace, freedom, and success.